Hello, my fellow mods, and welcome back to The Perspecta. I'm your host, John O'Neill, and in association with DC Hillier and MCM Daily, it feels so good to sit in this Noel Pollock chair again and talk to friends about mid-century modern design. We've had a longer-than-expected hiatus, but all for great reason. I have a baby boy and a fully renovated kitchen. Greg has a new house. And we both have new day jobs. You've all kept us motivated with kind words and messages. And we've actually had thousands of listens since the last episode. I have to sincerely thank our guest as well for his bright idea to record this one and get back into the swing of things. A light bulb moment? Can you guess what we'll be talking about? That's right. The illuminating world of mid-century modern lighting and specifically its darling, Model Line of California. We dive into the story of its founder, a few of the 27 designers it employed, as well as how to refinish, price, and write a book about these lamps. We welcome you into this well-sculpted conversation with Nick Farrell, a.k.a. Aesthetic Vintage. Well, Nick, welcome. It's not our first time uh, chatting here, but I'm excited to record this one and talk and, and you know discuss for, for everybody listening as much detail as you want to get into as, as far as uh, Model Line and other mid-century modern lamps go. So uh, welcome to the Perspecta. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. And uh, should be said, congratulations on the birth of your first son. Hey, my man, thank you. Yes, that was the the most notable thing, and probably you know prevented us from from recording a ton more of these. But uh, he's doing great. He just met Greg via yeah via he's video cutie. here, and uh, no no appearances yet. But he will uh, we'll get he there. will be podcasting soon enough but thanks man i i appreciate it um yeah it's been an eventful you know about a year and a half since we released one uh we renovated definitely had some lighting choices greg uh greg bought a house yeah he's been buying some mid-century modern lighting Mm -hmm. um but i still don't have a a model line in my collection my friend wow no i i I don't know if i had ever told you that but i I will admit i will admit it here (laughs) well i I know a guy uh as luck (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, you are the guy i mean so look i I would love to actually know i don't think i've I've ever talked to you about this i'd love to know when it first model line itself mid-century lighting even even mid-century design like really first got on your your radar yeah, so it, it first, I, I've kind of always been a little bit of a design nerd. Uh, I grew up in southern uh, Michigan in a town that had a lot of Victorian design. Uh, and when I was real young, I was, I was really into that. Yeah, uh, I've got a friend uh, here in Nashville who's a, a dealer uh, of furniture. And uh, so it had been kind of on my radar for a while. Uh, I guess this would go back to like about 2018. Uh, yeah seeing the stuff he had. And I got a little fascinated with that and kind of went down the rabbit hole and bought some pieces uh, sure. for the house and, and uh, went more and more down the rabbit hole. And um, you're, you're pretty deep. <laughs> I'm pretty deep. Yeah, I'm pretty deep. Uh, but yeah, Model Line came we, on. We all are. We're podcasting here about it. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 
I was having a conversation, I think, about Mont Blanc pins uh, with a friend. Mm. And yeah. uh, just the thought that whatever item it is, you know, it could be a, a toilet paper dispenser for all that matters. But somebody, somebody has dedicated their life to perfecting this thing, you know. Right. Uh, and I just got kind of thinking about my lighting. Uh, I had some pretty awful lamps at the time. And uh, I thought, well, what is the what is the Mont Blanc or what is the Rolls Royce of of modern uh, lighting and, and went yeah. down that rabbit hole. And, you know, Modeline was the name that kept coming up. And so that was my my initial introduction. That would have been, yeah, I think early 19 was when Modeline first came on my my radar. So cool. Look, it's the things that last, right, that ended up having that story and, you know, Mont Blanc pens, right, um, really high quality. I I think with Modeline, right, there's there's obviously so many different attrib- misattributions, attributions, and I, I feel like that probably propelled you to uh, keep going deeper and learn a little bit more and understand the, the, the truth in the story. Before we, before we go into the story further, I got to ask, I mean, I have a lot of friends with – preferences uh you know in terms of no overhead lighting or ambient lighting are you are you a real ambient lighting uh person yeah you know the owner operator of model line was a guy named bernie roberts yep and i've got an interview with him uh of course there's a bit of a conflict of interest this the same one that exists with me uh but uh where he says five to six table lamps a room is is a good starting place (laughs) uh but i i'm a fan of overhead lighting i i know that's a controversial uh, opinion these days but uh it is it's hot hot takes yeah i'm a sucker for a good <laughs> chandelier so yeah right you need you got to balance it out right especially yeah. right when the when the chandelier um you know is as ornate as some of the the wooden ones i've seen you uh you post but uh so so tell me more about bernie tell me about his story a little bit i understand i think you've you've been public about the book that you're going to put out so would love to hear a little bit about bernie his story you know some of the people he worked with and and you know how you've uh, done some of the research for the book so bernie uh came out to la he was uh, from brooklyn and uh he came out to la when he was 16 California was the spot to be. I, I don't know that he had much of a, a plan of what to do when he got there, but I came out to LA and was working machining uh, jobs. This would have been 30s, uh, and he did that through the war. Uh, so he was working, uh, doing aircraft uh, supply, you know, for the government. And uh, yeah. so Bernie was a very passionate political guy. And this was around the time when, uh, you know, if you were part of a union, you were very outspoken about that. And that came with a lot of uh, other commitments in your life. And he found himself organizing a protest that became uh, Hollywood Black Friday. So uh, the, I think to this day, the most violent union police clash in California history. And that was a kind of a bridge too far for his union. He got expelled and uh, in all kinds of hot water. And so he was uh, looking for a job. And at the time, a mentor of his was a guy named Percy Solitoy, who owned Brown Saltman Furniture. And he had a conversation with Percy. This would have been New Year's Day of 46, and uh, Percy, he was, he was actually looking for a job from Percy. Uh, he'd been unemployed for about eight months at this point. Percy tells him, he's like, you know how the trends with furniture are going increasingly European influence and Asian influence, and he said, there's, there's, the lighting is not catching up, basically, that there's huh. no, uh, there's no so lighting. So he sort of identified the, the trend for, uh, for Bernie a bit? Yeah, and he sort of pushed him that direction. He, he said, yeah. well, you know, you're a machinist by trade. It's kind of a small jump into uh, woodwork. And 
he said, you know, if you were to start a company like that, uh, I'd do everything I could with, with my furniture connections to, to promote it. And uh, that was the birth of Model Line. Wow. And it's Model Line of California, right? I mean, do, do you think that, that California cool vibe, you know, was, was part of the influence in, in the design, you know, something that they were trying to capture? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, California, um, you know, was, was the cutting edge of, of design, the cutting edge of politics, the cutting edge. Of, it was really kind of thought of, and to some degree still is, as, uh, you know, the yeah. final frontier of, of American, you know, thought uh, and design. And, and also, Modeline was trademarked. So he, uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't free to use. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. So Modeline is a brand of sculpting clay. And that's where they got, got their name was was they wanted the association of uh you know kind of a sculptural look sure art yep yeah do we know if the and this is again con- controversial uh and you could set the record straight here on the perspective um do we know if the sculpting clay was also pronounced modeline and it not was mode line okay it was yeah yeah a lot of confusion on on pronunciation i was confused myself i I talked to, um, so Bernie had one child and, and she passed away in, uh, 2000 and it would have been 2010 and, okay. uh, she didn't have any children, but so the closest living relative to Bernie is his niece, uh, who is still alive at 90. And, uh, so I, I asked her and she confirmed, uh, emphatically that it is modeline, not modeline okay. <laughs> or modeline or anything else. So, right, right. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that was it, it sounds like one of many interviews that you've done. Do you want to give us a little little taste of some of the most interesting experiences you had going around trying to collect information, artifacts about about Modeline? Yeah, so when I started what was it was not supposed to be a, a book. Uh it was just kind of uh I run uh, Aesthetic Vintage on Instagram which deals yeah. in in uh mid-century lighting and so my goal initially was was when I when I came to Modeline and saw, um, it's not an exaggeration to say eighty ninety percent of of lamps described either poorly or just outright nowhere close. You know, sure. they would give sure. a designer attribution of Adrian Pearsall or right, right. Bowman or you know That's any the other, other the other you know controversial uh, situation. Pearsall did not in any way design lighting outside of the, the globe, right? <laughs> the illuminated globe. Yeah. Outside of the globe. And, uh, there's some debate about whether he drew up some lamps in the eighties, uh, for his son, uh, that never got produced. But, uh, as far as, far as mid-century modern lighting never happened, uh, with Pearsall, but, uh, got it. but yeah, when, when I approached it seeing, okay, well, the, you know, you'd have people describe it as teak, this Danish, that, uh, Adrian Pearsall and all this, some of those things were clearly not true. I knew they weren't teak because I, I had a woodworking background and I, I actually initially wasn't quite, I thought they were mahogany when I first saw them, but yeah. but they certainly weren't teak. And I said, okay, well, going back to establishing first principle, do we even know this brand existed? You know, right, uh, yeah. so it's like, okay, so we have these labels. Let's on find the some evidence. Yeah. So, so I know the brand exists, but we don't know anything about it. So I started flying out to Los Angeles and going down to Central Library, digging through newspaper archives looking for ads, looking at magazines, yep. trying to find names. And when I'd find a name, I'd trace the genealogy of the name, who's still alive, you know, who are the relatives. 
so there's a lot of knocking on doors. Uh, I just yeah. drive up to an address that I had and knock on the door and, hey, does Model Line of California mean anything to you? And it was a, a lot of, uh, you know, doors shut in my face and, and hung up phone calls. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think the first person I found was, it would have been Bernie's grandniece. So the, yeah, the daughter of Bernie's niece and emailed back and forth with her a little bit. And it was actually a few emails in before she said, you know, the person you really want to talk to is my mom. So, well, I, you know, didn't realize she was still living. Can you, can you send me an uh, introduction? It's like, yeah. <laughs> isn't, isn't it funny, those situations? <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I was so ill-prepared, you know, at the time. When I did finally connect with her, I had no idea. You know, it just kind of froze up. Like, I have no idea what to ask you, you know. Uh, but got into that, and um, she gave some insight on, you know, where the funding for Modeline came. It was a pretty, hmm. pretty big operation just from the start. Yeah. Um, you know, they had a nearly 30,000 square foot factory and, you know, outfitted with kind of state of the art woodworking tools that uh, right. not not cheap, you know. But yeah, so that that was the start. And then since then, you know, I've become close with Arthur Jacobs family. And, you know, I know uh, Jack Haywood's family and, uh, you know, John Keel had one child and I don't know her well, but I do know her and uh, she's yeah. still living. And yeah, so it's been a, a, you know, hundreds of hours of, of conversation and digging through archives, but uh, now I kind of understand it. So yeah, I would say better than anybody else. Uh, and the the uh, gentlemen you mentioned are all designers, right? Individual designers. I wanted to ask, actually, I know, right, Florence Knoll was one of the the earlier sort of progressives in terms of, you know, not just putting out branded furniture, but giving designers some of the, the credit, making them known. I was curious if you knew that about Bernie. Was he was he sort of forwards in, in trying to allow the designers to take credit and sort of be notable? And I also I wanted to get a, a latest check. How many designers were there as as well with with Model Line? I think it was over twenty, right? Yeah. So I'm not a hundred percent sure my number is comprehensive because there were plenty of one hit wonders uh, okay. and, and people who it's like they. Like I'm they, sure it's as comprehensive as anybody else is going to get, my friend. I, I try my best. Yeah, uh, I've got twenty seven that are documented. Twenty seven and. Good, good reason to think there are a couple more that maybe did a, you know, a pilot episode that never, sure. you know, never became a season. But uh, sure. and, and then some actually some one hit wonders were were pretty successful. Uh, Martin Akervik was a guy who he did a design in 59 uh, that blew up, was one of their best selling models in the early 60s and never designed again for the brand. But yeah, 27 is what I got. And uh, but there were kind of three at the center of it. And that was uh, Arthur Jacobs, who was the principal designer, John Keel, who was the design director, and then uh, Jack Haywood, who was who did kind of the second most designs to Arthur Jacobs. So very cool. Yeah. And, and I would say just thinking about the story, you know, over the course of the 27 designers, was it a tumultuous company, right? Were they always in alignment? I mean, how, how much kind of inside scoop do you have from some of these folks that you've talked to about how the, how the place was run and everything? I'd, I'd love to know a little bit more. Everybody loved Bernie, which, cool. you know, I, I haven't loved every boss I ever had. So that speaks toward their character, you know. But uh, yeah, everybody was close with Bernie. The, the the kids of the designers remember him mostly as Uncle Bernie. You know, they'd, he'd, they'd get a card uh, on their birthday and Christmas and everything. And Arthur Jacobs was real close with them. They went on skiing trips and fishing trips. And 
Jack Hayward was very close to them as well. His his nice. uh, son remembered uh, Bernie pretty well. And John Keel's kid actually grew up in Hawaii and was never spent time in L.A. or not significant time in L.A. So uh, sure. she didn't remember him. But yeah, they they all kind of got along. I, I think there's a bit of a rift between uh, Jack Haywood and Arthur Jacobs in '62. Uh, and a bit of a rift between uh, uh, Haywood and uh, John Keel and actually in the same year. So, oh, wow. But, uh, you know, artists. Uh. Yeah, right. And I would, you know, I think there's some pretty distinct differences, right, in, in some of their, their different designs. Um, I feel like, is it, is it Haywood that went sort of a little bit more like googie with it, right? Little little futurism in there. Um, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to understand how you characterize some of the, some of the models. And then if you have, you know, a top, top three, I know it's hard, uh, across, you know, all these models, but I'd, I'd love to hear them. Yeah. Well, as far as top three, it's, it changes all the time. I, the, the ones behind me actually, if you can see are, are growing on me as some of my favorites, those were for sale and they got uh, pulled off the shelf. So yeah. uh, I kind of fell in love with those, but, uh, but yeah, as far as the general style of each designer, I, I don't think it would be an exaggeration to, to call Arthur Jacobs the father of modern lighting in general. His style, you know, rewinding the clock back to the post-war years, you know, modern was an interesting category in that it wasn't really anything yet. You know, it, in yeah. 45, 46, it was just kind of an anti-category of, it, well, it's not Victorian. Uh, right. You know, it's not, it's not any of these other things. It doesn't give any concession to traditional motifs. And there are all these yeah. kind of warring right. ideas, especially in, in, in lighting of what modern would be. And I think what, part of what makes model lines so important and specifically Arthur Jacobs' work so important is those are the ideas that won. Um, if you look at yeah. Um, yeah. the current modern lighting, you know, even Wayfair, West Elm, or, or even Walmart, uh, you know, those places uh, are, it's model line style lighting, you know, is <laughs> what they yeah. consider mid-century modern. And it wasn't because they were the only idea. I mean, One Atomic scale, right. was obviously huge. There's really, not that I can think of a current Atomic company and and seemed to be said although space age you could make a case that there's some some space age companies but yeah so I, I, uh, Arthur Jacobs' style as far as European minimalism kind of defined his work he had some ornate phases he did some Spanish style lamps some Asian modern lamps but for the most part it was just European uh, minimalism one of his defining characteristics was everything or most everything has some kind of trick function uh, the modulator switch is one we've talked sure. about yeah about, yeah. Yeah, the wood pole uh, was just sort of this genius idea where, you know, lamps were becoming massive in, in this era where you have end tables and couches are kind of migrating lower and lower. Your side table comes down to whatever, 19, 20 inches in this area yeah. or in this, in this period of time. And, and lamps were kind of evolving taller and taller. And to prevent any kind of extreme contortion to light your lamp, the switch right. was coming yeah. down. And uh, the model lighter was how he solved this problem, and it uh, sort of incorporated the switch into the design. So, right, and that's right in the the kind of center pole, right? That you, yeah, you yeah, pull up and a, down. Yeah, wood pole switch just in the center of uh, center of the lamp, and the, the Saturn switch is another one. These are uh, the Saturn switch is something that you could probably look up on Google. If not, my Instagram has plenty of them. But yeah, that was Arthur Jacobs. Jack Haywood uh, kind of pioneered the the futurism, you know, the space age look. Yeah. Uh, he was he was active at Modeline uh, from '56 on, but he really kind of had his 
his heyday in the uh, early 70s when uh, his design kind of overtook Arthur Jacobs as the best-selling uh, models. So I would say John Keel was the least modern of the three. He didn't mind incorporating uh, more traditional design styles and filigree and, and uh, kind of a more ornate style. He was, out of the three, the worst selling. Uh, so that kind of spoke <laughs> for the trends of the time. All comes down to running the business sometimes, right? <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it's funny to hear that the designers too had little little riffs. You know, thinking of, thinking about your business actually, I'd love to know. It sounds, you know, you, you have a bit of a woodworking background. Sounds like you've you've been in the furniture game a bit. How do you feel like with the electrical components and and you know some of the details that lighting is different than? you know, refinishing furniture. Has, has that taken a lot of sort of knowledge building and expertise and circuits and, you know, I don't even know. Um, but, you know, j just curious if, if that, you know, really is an acquired skill. Yeah. So it's it's similar to furniture in that it's it is woodwork uh, and it's wood yeah, refinishing for, for model line. Sure. Um, yeah. At least with model line. Uh, and then, you know, model line has a lot of brass. Fortunately, solid brass so that can be refinished as well the the shade work is totally unique from furniture i, I don't know if there's a venn diagram between that and uh and furniture it has more in common with upholstery i think than right uh, than anything else but maybe some of your um you know rattan covers you know but yeah it's it is a very specific uh use case i would say yeah so that that took a bit of uh a, a bit of learning and experimentation and uh a lot of destroyed materials to to figure that out but uh yeah. but yeah and, and of course the electrical components the electrical components there's kind of nothing to it honestly uh okay. there's kind of this thinking that uh, every vintage lamp should be rewired but uh you know safety standards haven't really changed significantly as far as portable hmm. lamps since then it's two or three wires and uh a socket you know so sure uh, and some of the components companies i feel like still may exist right Sure. Yeah. Le Levitin still exists. Uh, McGill that made most of the model line sockets has been out of business for a while, but, but yeah, Levitin's kind of the biggest one of the game and they're still around and, and still the biggest one of the game. So yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. I, I do. I feel like this, this is a good segue into one of the, the questions that, you know, was asked within the, uh, the model line group, which everybody, if you're interested, you know, go, go join Nick's group on Facebook. Do we think rewiring or, you know, any other significant aspects, maybe a different update to the shade or non-original shade. Do we think that has an impact on, on pricing? You know, do you think that in your expert opinion? And, you know, I'd like to know, too, just in general, how, how you approach pricing on such a unique set of pieces that are, uh, you know, there's not just a ton of them in the market. Yeah, pricing is a pricing is a contentious uh, issue. Yeah. I've always looked at it kind of like real estate that like you can have two identical items and they're not of equal value. So, you know, obviously you look at uh, what a house sells for in, you know, Santa Monica and I say, oh, gee, you know, my my house and um, no offense to anybody in Idaho, but, uh, you know, my house in Idaho looks identical. You know, we, we right. must have a, a, a comparably same uh, square footage, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. same materials. Yeah, yeah. Gee, I, I'm a millionaire. I didn't realize it, but uh uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it really depends on your crowd, depends on who's buying from you. Condition has a lot to do with value by really an order of magnitude. You know, I've seen some uh, model lines in rough condition, you know, sit 
for a hundred bucks for six months or a year, and then right. you know restored that could easily be a fifteen hundred or two thousand dollar lamp. So yeah, I value. Yeah, it, you're you're buying and selling, right? Ultimately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I buy and, and I buy, considerably improving. <laughs> I I try my best. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as like restoration affecting value, it probably will come to a time when a mint condition original lamp is worth more. Uh, that's not where we're at right now, but you know, Modeline is just kind of starting to have their heyday. You know, uh, yeah. there's there's nothing intrinsic about it that is not going to wind up. You know, the Tiffany of the middle part of the century. You know, the prices originally were adjusted for inflation. Similar quantity is similar. You know, there's you know design power is similar. So there's nothing magical about uh, you know a name like Tiffany that makes it worth more money. So who knows? You know, we might get to a point where where something like whether the 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 cord has been replaced significantly affects value, but sure. right now, kind of the best thing you can get is a perfectly restored uh, model line that would include, you know, shade and, and electrical components and all of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the I, shade, I, I mean, the shades really just, they're probably the portion of the, the lamps that are in the worst condition, I would imagine sometimes. Right. I mean, just to, to be able to hold up the cloth, being able to hold up over all this, all this time. Yeah. You know, model line was, was really well known for their dual shades. They had a yep. Lurex fabric uh, option and then they had a, uh, an open weave cane option or synthetic cane anyway. And, uh, those did not survive the test of time. Uh, unfortunately the incandescent bulbs just kind of cooked them, you know, right. so, uh, <laughs> Actually, a competitor, there's uh, uh, VH Willems out of Florida, changed their slogan to uh, created for lasting beauty, uh, just to kind of take a shot at, <laughs> at model and shades disintegrating. So that's pretty uh, funny. But yeah, so, you know, having having those issues addressed kind of makes all the difference. Uh, and it's not all in a name, you know, the model line had misses with their hits, you know, um, right. there are designs that uh, aren't uh, quite as desirable. But yeah, so pricing's a tough one. Pricing's a yeah. tough one. And I think actually, there, you know, Shows like uh, Antiques Roadshow, I think maybe give, uh, that kind of thinking give give us an unrealistic idea of how value works. Yeah, um, you know there are items like that. You know, uh, well, as does First Dibs and Cherish. I mean, you know, running sure. the uh, the mid century modern Reddit. You know, I see a lot of identification, a lot of value questions, and I I think you made a really good point too. Even even in the real estate metaphor, it it depends on where you are. And who you're selling to and you, who you have the possibility of selling to, right? Are you shipping it or yeah, you're selling it locally on Facebook Marketplace? Like those are those are two, you know, very different things. Yeah, pricing pricing's a, a challenge. And <laughs> I I always just try to recommend be as informed as possible about your market. I would divide the first dibs price that you're excited about by three or four. Right? <laughs> sure. And I think also, you know, not to get into like an economics lecture, but uh yeah. You know, be willing to let the market teach you. You know, if you yeah. if you price something at a thousand dollars and it sits for six months, the market is letting you know. It, you know, you might not have the reach to get a thousand dollars. You know, if you price right. it at a hundred dollars and it, and it sells in three minutes and you have a wait list out the door, uh, take that as a lesson for the next one you get. The that, next uh, one. Price a little higher. So um, totally value totally. is is uh, you know as mysterious to me as it is to anybody, and I'm I'm guessing at it too. You know, uh, right? So, now we all are. Yeah. And yeah, when something's sit, you might as well go high and then there's something sitting around. <laughs> yeah, sure. Come, come down a little. Right. I do think, you know, that that's kind of a good point. You you mentioned uh, VH Woolhams. Are there other brands that, you know, were either directly competitive or, you know, authentic in their sort of time period that would 
um, somebody might want to consider if maybe let's say model line is out of their price range or, you know, certainly if they see something in a thrift store and it's, it's, um, designed well, I'm sure they'll grab it. But what are some of the other alternative brands that, that people might be collecting? Yeah, there, there, there were a bunch of big players back then that adopted the model line style. Yeah, VH Willems was probably the most known example. I hate to call them a copycat company because they did have original designs. They, they, sure. Their designer is a guy named David Shreve, and he did uh, great original design work. But it is fair and honest to say that most of their designs were, were model line knockoffs. But yeah, VH Willems is a, is a great uh, lamp. Bruce Industries out of Philadelphia. They were less concerned, I think, with making a name for themselves. They did a lot of work for Sears and Macy's and sure. the big box stores. But uh, they had a slightly a, lower tier, maybe. Yeah, uh, a little bit more budget conscious, but a great looking uh, lamp. They had a, a subsidiary called R&J that uh, was a real, real good uh, product. You know, the, the, some of the difficulty with, with offering these names if somebody is after an alternative is that uh, plugging these names into Google is not going to yield you much. And, yeah. and that's been you got to go knock on knock on doors. <laughs> yeah, that's some of the war that I've been waging is is that uh, you know when. I think model line. We've seen a shift, and you know, if you look on, um, you know, you look on online now, and a lot of the information is much better than it was a couple of years ago. But Bruce Industries, R and J, you know, those are still kind of obscure names that uh, you know a, a dealer say who gets a lamp like that once a month or once a year who doesn't put the work into learning about it is much more likely to just say that's yeah, a Danish style lamp and, and who sure. cares what it is. But yeah, so those are, those are roller is another good roller of California was another uh, brand. That's a, a good one. Uh, I, outside of the model line style, I'm a big Laurel, Laurel fan, you know, Laurel lamp. Yeah, they've had a bit of a resurgence, right? I, I believe, or at least was it the, the, the Laurel, you know, some of the family members have, have been trying to preserve, you know, the, the presence a bit. Yeah, the foundation's been doing a bunch of good work. Uh, they've got a, a website up now and they've got an Instagram that's uh, real informative. Yeah, they're they're just fantastic and they do a great job preserving that information. So definitely worth checking uh, checking them out as well. But uh, I've got a couple of laurels myself. I'm an enthusiast, so. That, that's a great mix. No, I appreciate that. It, speaking of like catalog, you know, some of the information, I, I think you've made, you know, like, like many others, I'll shout out the, the MCM files, a very small Facebook group. You guys can try to try to uh, get, get access to it. But in, in the model line group, you've done a great job of, of making information available, you know, posting some of the ads, the photos. Um, I was actually just talking to, to Greg about newspapers.com. As a, as a tool that I've used a bit in the past. Any unique, you know, really outside of going to the library, any unique sources that you've found over the years to amass this, you know, catalog of, of reference? I mean, is it is it eBay alerts? Is it, you know, like I said, going to the, the library? What, what, what's kind of the, the tools that you have at your disposal? Yeah, so the, the model line catalogs that I own uh, came from designers' families. So unfortunately, that's not... Sure. Uh, I, not really one I can recommend people go to, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm as deep as you and, and, you know, Kent coffee yeah. and, and some of the other, you know, brands. I mean, people, people I'd say pay for the white pages, pick up the phone. You never know. Yeah, no, I, so I, yeah, newspapers.com is awesome. Uh, newspaper archive.com is another good, uh, there's a lot of overlap between the two, but, uh, sure. not a hundred percent. But uh, old bookstores, uh, used bookstores, uh, I, I've had a lot of luck at uh, it's time consuming and it's dirty. But, you know, sure. 
getting boxes of magazines and pouring through them. And uh, um, you can find uh, ads and catalogs there. But uh, yeah, spending time at uh, libraries, familiar, you know, getting familiar with the, the, the process of, uh, you know, being annoying to them, you know, finding <laughs> yeah. where, they're, where they're being uh, relentless. Yeah. 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 University libraries are great, too, outside of uh, public libraries. A lot, a lot of them sure. have, have literature that, uh, you know, is offsite storage or something they can access for you if you uh, get annoying enough. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and look, you, you have to, to, to be the source and, and be able to write the book. I mean, how's that process been? I know that's, you know, I assume this is your maiden voyage uh, trying to, you know, in the publishing world. I, I think you've got the content certainly down, but how's like, you know, the, the editor and, you know, shopping around. Tell us, tell us about that. Yeah. So I mentioned it wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be a book. Uh, it was just supposed to be, a, you know, I want to offer better information, you know, when I, sure. when I sell these things. And as I kind of got into the story and saw how it started and what the company looked like and, and just how, uh, what an interesting story it was, uh, you know, I was kind of just showing it to, to other people, friends of mine who are interested. And uh, they kind of felt the same way that I did. It's like, this is actually a really a really fascinating story. So I kind of fleshed it out into this coffee table book. That process, uh, the writing process was a blast. I'm just now kind of, you know, within the first few months of shopping it around to publishers. So that's the the long game, you know, that's the part that uh, as a, as a first time writer, you know, you kind of just buckle up and uh, you're on their schedule. So, but yeah, it's uh, slowly going well. I, I, I was fortunate to have a friend and a guy named Devon uh, Maharaj, who's a uh, the, uh, he was the editor in chief of the LA Times, and uh, he's oh, been right kind of offering some wisdom and uh, offered to, to edit the piece and everything. So uh, he's been he's been awesome to have somebody more seasoned in this world to talk to. So, uh, but it's going well. Uh, yeah, no, that's great. Can't wait. Can't wait to see it and read it and feel it. It's just you know, it's it's such a beautiful thing. You know, we we've interviewed Sam Hildreth, who had a you know Paul McCobb museum exhibit. Um, I, I just, I recommend, you know, if you find something you love and, and people need to know more about it, or you need to set the record straight, or certainly if you're coming at it from a, a place where you're, you're selling an item and, and you need to be the source, just go deep, right? Do the research, sign up for, you know, or you don't even have to pay for it, right? Archive.org is, is one of the, uh, the places I feel like has some old newspapers, magazines, just, just dive in head first. And, and I, I agree, you'll, you'll find some pretty interesting narratives, right? At the end of the day, it was uh, humans collaborating, designers, you know, trying to, trying to have the best-selling selling lamp. Um, so, yeah, always, always recommend. And, and that goes, too. You know, I was just uh, on the Reddit forum the other day. Somebody posted some, uh, a thrift store find. And it was $50. I got a full bedroom set. It's like, all right, that, that, that's your prompt. Go a little deeper. I feel like too, Greg. That was this has been your prompt to get into mid-century stuff, and yeah, uh, now it's now it's in your house. <laughs> <laughs> it was inescapable at this point, you know. Right, right. Um, actually, that's that's a good question. Do we know if anybody from the the model line extended family was you know uh, either knowledgeable of or coordinating with like a George Nelson or, you know, anybody that's, that's sort of well-known in, in mid-century lighting that might not be the, the sort of wood style, the sculpted style. Yeah. Bernie was, was real close with a lot of other furniture and, uh, 
and lamp executives. I, actually, the sure. you know the Jack Haywood Space Age, you know that line was called California Contemporary, which was a, a name that uh, they got from uh, Jerry Bertram of uh, Sherman Bertram Furniture. Um, but as far as other lighting guys, he was real close with uh, Ted Stiffel of uh, Stiffel Lighting. That was actually why Modeline never produced attention poles because you know Stiffel was getting. Uh, railroaded in court by Sears, you know, over, over that. And that was, uh, <laughs> that, yeah, made it to the Supreme court actually. Uh, that, wow. That case. Yeah. There's it, some, there's some lighting drama. <laughs> yeah. Interesting one. Uh, yeah. They Sears almost got bank. Uh, I'm sorry. Stiffel almost got bankrupted by, uh, by that Sears decided Except to move, uh, move, uh, I don't know, 50 years later. And so did, so did Sears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jokes on uh, Sears. You can't, uh, yeah. yeah. Selling up VCRs. Don't go after the attention pole guys. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Uh, and Stiffel's still around, so uh, I guess the joke's on uh, Sears. Right, but right. but yeah, the, he was he was close with uh, he was close with Stiffel. Uh, he was close with guys over at Laurel. I mean, he you know he he showed face at a lot of the design uh, panels and a lot of the trade shows in New York and L.A. and San Francisco. So and he was a well liked guy. He was kind of a life of the party guy. So yeah, um, it was it was kind of Hollywood, right? To an extent. I mean, I, I get the the feeling that they were living a pretty big big life by by the time they reached some success. Yeah, they were kind of in that crowd, and that was actually, uh, you know, the Trojan horse for for advertising was, you know, in the in the early '50s when when television was overtaking uh, newspapers, the primary, uh, you know, advertising source. You know, Bernie went and met with a lot of the the set decorators in Hollywood and said, sure. "Look, I'll give you a bunch of these lamps." Smart. And, uh, you know, do with them what you will, but they'd present really well on television. And Burns and Allen, they're all over the place. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock Hour, they're all over the place. Mm. Leave it to Beaver, uh, you know, The Munsters. You know, all these shows kind of had regular appearances of Modeline in them. And that was his his way of using, you know, influencers before it was, was into yeah. it. So. I'd say. Yeah. I'd say any um, I feel like I've seen a couple more more contemporary. Any other more recent, you know, kind of entertainment TV movies that you've you've noticed a, a model line or two in? Most most recent one was, uh, you know, Barbenheimer weekend. Uh, my phone was blowing up. <laughs> yeah. Oppenheimer's got the uh, the model line uh, 1545 in there. And oh, right on. I'm ashamed to say that's that was my main motivation for. Uh, I'm glad I did a great movie. But uh, yeah, when I. Uh, people kept texting me like, "Oh, there's a there's a 1545 in there," and I, I had to had to see it for myself. But I was, uh, you know, I was judging their set decorator, watching it, seeing the the broken model lighter that, uh, <laughs> oh, that made no. it to the big screen. Yeah, for shame. <laughs> so the 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 lamp coming on is just CG, right? So <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, they should have uh -oh. called me. <laughs> they should have called you. Yes, seriously. Yeah, I mean, same thing with DC. I feel like he gets a he gets a call, you know, when there's a Claire Tone somewhere featured. I saw Modeline in uh, episode of Dave. I think I text you. Yeah, um, the finale of Dave. Uh, I don't know if anybody watches it, but it's it's in his sort of newer newer house, which is really cool. And then there's a there's a smaller, you know, obviously a big John Hamm fan here. Uh, there's a smaller movie called Corner Office. I believe that's the name of it. And uh, there, there may or may not be a model line in this sort of secretive corner office that uh, that he visits uh, occasionally. So hmm. they're, they're still out there. I'd be curious, actually. Do you find, you know, some some of your maybe consistent buyers, right? Are they really committed to the mid-century modern style throughout all of their decor? 
Um, you know, I'm sure you get an occasional, you know, picture when it's all set up and, and, and in its place. Um, or do you think they're, they're sort of mixing and matching with uh, more eclectic styles these days? I, I think this, this answer probably surprises uh, most people. I, probably only about 50% are committed to, to mid-century modern styling. Sure. Uh, sure. and I, you know, I'm a convert maker. I, I like it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my, right. my favorite person yeah. is somebody who comes to me and, and they had never thought about lighting. They never thought about, you know, being intentional about those parts of their, their home because it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's like waking up from a dream, you know, where you look around like, Oh my God, this, this thing has kind of always been in the background. I've never noticed, you know, how cool yeah. this is. Um, so that's the awesome. way you, the way you see the world. I've said that a few times. It's like, once you, once you notice this stuff, I mean, it's anything that you're passionate about, right? But you, you begin to focus. What do people say? The red red car? I feel like yeah, I've heard this yeah. before. Yeah, if you're looking for the red car, you know, you don't even know how many you pass. But if you're looking for it, then, uh, you know, there's there's a whole bunch around you. Yeah, um, exactly. 50%. Okay, that's good to know. But they fit well. They fit well with any atmosphere sure. quite frankly yeah and, and you know specifically model line it's cool because if you you know you go mediterranean they're mediterranean model lines you go um you know with spanish more, influence yeah 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 asian modern whatever look you want space age model line has it so and of course i'm not strictly model line but uh i don't know that's about half of what i do or so and but it's you know a lot of a lot of eclectic looks and uh and yeah like i said about half of them are uh dedicated mid-century modern buyers so uh t thinking about futurism right as we as we come to a close here where do you think mid-century modern as this sort of niche you know deep interest that we have wh where do you think that's going i mean i i think often you know are, are we running out of authentic vintage pieces do you think there will be a considerable comeback or maybe you know additional uh highlights in in sort of hollywood uh, be, be curious about your, your predictions. Yeah, I, I think recent trends that I've noticed is a shift away from atomic is kind of fading out a little bit. Uh, the, the kind of kitschier look is is uh, losing a little bit of popularity. It does seem to be trending toward the wooden brass. The more European minimalism seems to be kind of overtaking uh, that world. Uh, sure. as, as far as like it's, running. It's good warmth. You know, when, when yeah. people need it, I feel like we did get to a bit of a, a sterile place in, in interior design in general to an extent. Right. And now you, you got to bring, got to bring some woods back. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, and it, it never, it never goes out of fashion really is the good thing about that. But, um, every design school has been kind of dominated by wood, you know, that's, that's, right. the, you know, it's the natural look, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I've I've noticed that trend as far as running out. Uh, yeah, they sold a lot of these things. Uh, okay. You know, so it's it'll definitely become more scarce, I think, over time, and as a result, become more expensive over time. But I would be shocked in my lifetime if you know we were to arrive to a place where there were none of these things. Uh, theoretically, if you have enough money, you could probably buy a you know a Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci thing. You, you know, you can move the market. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> just you know the. Who the buyer is will probably change over time, but sure, I think you know I think it'll always be available. And actually, uh, I'll I'll give you one last opportunity here to set the record straight. What was the uh, the wood of choice for for Model mm. Line? Karina, Karina was wow. was the the wood they used. Yeah, the the color you see on most Model Line lamps is it's all in the finish. It's all a trick. Uh, it's not not the wood. But uh, yeah, early on when they started, it was ash and oak, and then. Uh, Karina through 
the bulk of the model lines that we associate with the brand. And then uh, the Jack Haywood Space Age was was bent birch uh, and uh, yeah, you with, can't you can't carve some of those designs. <laughs> not if you don't want it to weigh three hundred pounds. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and hanging on a chain, right? Yeah. Um, that that's great. Hey, look, this is this has been a fantastic chat. Uh, is there anything we didn't cover that you know you want you want to plug here? I, I think you mentioned aesthetic vintage on Instagram is where you're where you're selling. Is there a, is there a date for the book? Uh, even even uh, you know an, an estimate? Not uh, not until uh, deciding on a publisher. So uh, if you're listening and you're in publishing, you know yes, exactly. I'm, you know, I'm, I, you know, I want to end up with, uh, with, with some place that, uh, you know, is passionate about it and wants to, wants to, uh, kind of help me display what a, what a cool, you know, st- story and company this was. So, you know, ideally it'll be, uh, sometime 2024 and, uh, maybe we'll have another conversation then. Yes, sir. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Well, Nick, it's been great. Thank you so much for the time. We'll talk Thanks, to you John. soon. Thanks, Greg. Thank you so much for switching on. To learn all about Modeline and other mid-century modern lighting from a true expert. Nick is such a shining example of what you can accomplish with passion and dedication. He has been around the country, knocked on doors, dug through libraries, seeking truth to set all records straight about Modeline history. Further, he has helped our community in sharing the references he has found to make us all more educated. He has earned your following on Instagram. And if you ever have model line questions, head over to his Facebook group. I'll be first in line to buy his book when ready. And we thank you again for supporting us patiently for the arrival of this long awaited episode. We'll release a few more from our archives of episodes very soon. Mm-hmm.